What a world! Welcome on all to another episode of The Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's blog and the boys.com. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from my day as your humble host on The Ocho. It is Thursday, the third day, February 23rd, 2023. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and I want to remind you that The Ocho is presented to you by our friends at Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the jerky that helps fuel our day. Cowboys. That is correct. Righteous Felon Jerky and Biltong are available for Cowboys players at the Ford Center training facility. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, Biltong 32, and each meat stick appropriately has ocho grams of protein. If it's good enough for the Cowboys, it has got to be good enough for you as well. Righteous Felon uses locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BTB15 at checkout to get 15% off of your order. Do what I did and go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BTB15 at checkout to get 15% off of your order. I mentioned it. I'm serious. I went to Righteous Felon last week. I got a bunch of bags of Nelson Mandela that has been a part of my lunch every day this week. It's kind of a hectic week in the Ochoa household. Uh, The wife, the kid, and I were going on a trip at the end of the week. Going to be doing lots of driving. So because of that, we're doing some things ahead of time like recording this. I'm currently putting this part of the show together on Wednesday at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. So if there is some big breaking news that happened, you won't ever hear this, kind of like we did last week. Um, That's just kind of how the offseason tends to go. The interview that you're going to hear today uh, with Joey Ikes, old school and now current BTBer, we actually, Joey and I, recorded that on Tuesday, about Tuesday afternoon. So um, at present time, at least as of Wednesday morning, there's no real massive news uh, as it relates to the Dallas Cowboys. No, you know, shocking news, I guess, is uh, the the best way to put it. Obviously, there are lots of things we're monitoring. Uh, The window to place the franchise tag on players is open. Jess told us that on the Daily, I know her and Brandon talked about it on the writer's block, and then Jess and the the whole crew talked about it on the roundtable this week. Um, So we're just kind of in that time period, you know, the last week of February, waiting to see if a player is going to get tagged. If the Cowboys do place the franchise tag on somebody, I would imagine it's not going to be until the early um, kind of first few days of March. Obviously, my guess, if they were to tag somebody, is that it would be Tony Pollard, but I think there's a very strong argument to be made that you shouldn't tag anybody. I know I said that on the mixtape this week with Brandon. Gowton. But um, all right, let's um, kind of go ahead and get to it then. Um, Joey Ikes is an old school BTBer here, and I talked about that a lot on uh, in this interview. We just kind of you know, just talked about the Cowboys. It was a really fun conversation. Uh, Joey did not have headphones for this conversation. So there are some moments where you can hear my audio, um, like make a noise uh, coming through his computer speakers. So apologies for that. It's not that bad, but you may hear it and and wonder if it's your device. It's not. Um, I promise it'll be okay. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get to it. Joey Ikes joins us next right here on the Ocho. Very pleased now to be joined by one of the OGs. That's right. We've gone all the way back into the history books to pull this man out of retirement to podcast once again for us here at Blogging the Boys. If you're watching us on the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel, you see him. If you're listening to the Blogging the Boys podcast network, you heard him yesterday on Wednesday's episode of Talking the Draft with Connor Livesy. It is the one and only Joey Ikes, who I can't wait to break bread with someday at Monument Inn. Joseph, how goes it? Uh, that's uh, quite the pull there on the Monument Inn, and you're uh, absolutely right. And uh, it, first of all, you're making me feel very old by referring mm. to the history books. You know, it has been 
and I was telling Connor last week, I think it's been 11 years since I wrote my first front page article on blogging the boys, which is uh, a number that I don't know that I can fathom considering, you know, I don't feel old enough to have done anything 11 years ago, much less, you know, been a grown adult writing, you know, football articles for that long. But, uh, but yeah, it's awesome to be here. It's cool to be, you know, a part of the the blogging the boys platform that's been such a big part of my life. For, I don't know what happened. Uh, Have we years. lost each other? We're just gonna leave this in. I've lost Joey for a second in his internet connection. I think Joey's back now. Joey. Oh you... yes. Okay, you're back. I'm here. Yes. Yeah, you were saying it had been like a hundred years, and then your internet died, which is just kind of like perfect <laughs> and a perfect metaphor. For yeah, the situation. yeah, I'm old enough to have bad internet, so it uh, it, it comes in and out. No, it's uh, hopefully hopefully we'll hang tight for a little bit here. But yeah. Um, we do have a lot of younger listeners and viewers just because that's kind of the way like the world works now. Um, so I feel old when I talk to you because I got in this game in 2015. And at the time, it was like, holy crap, Joey Ikes is like a god. He's a legend at this. And it, it is just wild like to think it's been eight years since then. I remember when you wrote your book, when you wrote Nuts and Bolts. Like I remember all of like those days feel like yesterday. I can't believe how much time has passed. Yeah, it's uh, I, I remember sitting, I remember the desk I sat at when I put all that together and all that kind of stuff. And it was uh, it does feel way closer than you look back. And it was eight years ago going into the 2015 season, I believe. I remember when you I ate paper. Yes, when I ate the tweet. Yes, it's uh, what, what, we, what was we, the tweet you ate? <laughs> um, I don't remember. It was some some prediction that I made preseason or something like that. And I said that if I if I was wrong, I would eat the tweet. And um, sure enough, the the end of the season or whatever point threshold came, and I you know I told people to remind me and that I would eat the tweet if I was wrong, and uh, I did, and that was a uh, that was an experience for sure. You know, that's awesome. Well, uh, everyone listening or watching, you can listen to Joey and Connor on Wednesdays on the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network on Talk on the Draft. They're obviously getting ready for the NFL Draft. Um, I tried to twist Joey's arm and get him to write again. Um, but he's a very busy man. And like, what, what, how many hats do you wear? You're wearing a backwards one right now. Like, uh, talk about, yeah, yeah I pretty much always do because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, we talked about me getting old, right? There's a little bit of evidence wow. showing of the age on the top of the back of my head now. So I thought uh, it was yeah, a metaphor so I, for like uh, a young Romo, like when he would wear that backwards hat and get all sorts of criticism for it. So like, sure, I didn't sure. know what well, this was well, going to be. That's, that's much more flattering than, than the real reason why yeah. I wear it for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I know, you know, I've got my, you know, I've got my full-time job that I have, you know, my, my, as my friends and, and other folks around me call it my big boy job. And then I, mm-hmm. uh, I write about Texas A&M football at uh, aggieswire.usatoday.com. Um, I spent some time with the Locked On Podcast Network covering the Aggies for them. Um, I stepped away from that because of time, really, is <laughs> the, the main thing. Uh, and then, uh, then I also, I, I'm a 50% partner in a, uh, in a bit of physical services business here locally. And, um, I have, a, as some of my friends like to say, I have a bazillion kids, I have four kids and we're building a house and I'm doing a lot. It's a very, very busy, lots of stuff going on, but it's funny. The Cowboys have just always been a part of all of it all the way through. And it just kind of one of the threads that kind of pulls along for, you know, a long time now well like i'm saying you um you helped lay the foundation lots of btb alum rabble rouser does a show now here 
Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Dave is is amazing. Um, I remember uh, back in the V Sporto days when you and Landon yeah. actually used to do the Blog and the Voice podcast. And so, yes, um, we hope we've we've you know kind of kept the bones of the place intact. Uh, obviously, to to make it nice and and sing. Uh, Landon, obviously, now part of the Lockdown Network with Marcus doing the Lockdown Cowboy Show. So it's cool to see like uh, everybody kind of still, li- you know, I was going to say living, living and thriving. Um, it, it is kind of a, a wild thing to think about, though, how long ago all of those days really were. Um, like I said, that, I, I so vividly remember the 2015 draft. Like I remember when Lyle Collins signed with the Cowboys. Like there was the, like this just fervor on the Internet, like everybody freaking out. That was so much fun. Um, so it's a really special time. Um, this is I don't know. I, I've kind of in that time, Joey, I've kind of gone dark, right? Like I had my like my my dark season, right? Like, you know, where I was the bad guy. I was like Toby Maguire and Spider-Man 3 with the hair over and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I was super jaded and, and super upset. I feel like I've turned a corner, but I feel like I'm alone in that. I feel like there's so many people who are still really negative about this team. And may- maybe I'm just like drunk on the Kool-Aid. But like, what are your I, I don't have a rundown for us. Like, what, what are your general thoughts, questions, takeaways, concerns? whatever we're just here talking cowboys football for a little while so what's what's on your heart what's on your chest yeah i think the journey that you've taken is relatively similar to the journey that i've taken and that it's almost natural to sort of take when you take this when you sort of convert yourself from a fan into somebody who you know writes about the team and you know some people call them fanalists right where you sort of stay fans you cover one team you analyze the one team And usually you go into that because you're super passionate about that team. You care a lot about it. You believe that they have what it takes to succeed and you want to talk about it and you want to write about it. And so you start doing that. And then the more you dig into the team and the the more familiar you get with it, the more you start to see the holes in the situation, the more you start to understand. And the other thing that comes with it is you start to have conversations with people that are closer to the situation. And you realize, hey, you know, this organization, and it's not just for the Cowboys, it's any team, any organization, and really anything. This football team that I thought about as this organization that operated at the pinnacle uh, and at the forefront of everything is really making decisions and operating just like the mom-and-pop hardware store down the road that's run by a dad and his sons, and maybe his daughter is involved too, maybe she's not, but it operates exactly the same way, just at a way bigger scale and with way more people heavily invested in what happens. And you start to figure that stuff out. And you, the way you put it is, is very well said. You sort of start to get a little jaded about it and feel like, you know, man, this kind of sucks. Like, why? Like, they have all these resources available to them. Why are they not doing more? Why are they not better? And then you sort of start to come around on the idea that you learn that, It's not just your team that operates this way. It's almost every team that operates that way. And and every team has, you know, like every coach, everybody who has worked on a team at any point in their professional life understands that there are people on that team or that are in roles and in positions that they may not be, you know, fully competent in and that they're not necessarily the best in the world at that. It doesn't matter what size company you're at. That's going to be the case. And that's going to be the case with coaches on coaching staffs. That's going to be the case with scouts and scouting departments. And even all the way up to, you know, like really high level executives in um, in the, the front offices of these teams is that some of these people are the best in the world at what they do. And some of them are just flat out not competent to fulfill the roles that they're in. 
And once you sort of start to realize that that happens across the entire league, and you start to really look at one of the things we, we all have access to so many numbers and data and stuff like that these days, you sort of start to realize that there's really only a few things that matter. And when you go back to it, you get, you, they have that curve, and I don't remember what it's called, but that level of expertise curve, right? Where it's like you're a complete novice at something. And then once you start to learn a little bit, you feel like you know way more than you know. And then the more you get, the more you continue to learn, the more you realize you don't know. And as you spend more time doing this, you almost realize not that you don't know as much as you thought you did, but just that the stuff at the very beginning, the stuff like really the main thing that matters is, do you have a good quarterback or do you not? Do you have a competent head coach or do you not? And then can you get in the playoffs and, and get on a run? And really when it comes to, hey, can we win a Super Bowl? Unless you have Pat Mahomes because he's a different creature. That's really the only thing that matters. And this Cowboys team is they have a good quarterback. They have a competent head coach. And they're fully capable of getting in the playoffs and getting their quarterback on a four-game heater and winning the whole thing. So why would I worry about the minutia on a game-to-game basis so much of how they looked, what the style points look like, and all that kind of stuff? Everything you said was wonderful and perfect. And I think encapsulates like the emotional journey that that I'm sort of at and this like, you know, season of the television show that I'm the main character in. Um, and so I think and on that subject, like I sort of, you know, like people will sometimes be like, oh, Joey, like what's a show you wish you could watch again for the first time? People be like, oh, like Breaking Bad, like the first season of Game of Thrones, whatever. Like I do sort of feel that way. Like I wish I could go back to a time where like I was like, I don't want to say naive, but maybe innocent. Um, yeah. and, and like I had the presumption that like they were this like world class team like and I'm not like I don't think either of us are sitting here being like they suck they're terrible they're trash but like um, there is some like um, like forest through the trees like yeah. happening here um, and it's I where I really kind of landed too. certainly um, we're recording this by the way on Tuesday uh, we dropped this episode on Thursday but it's been what 10 days since the Super Bowl. And like I, I hate the Eagles with every fiber of my being. Like I despise them so much, but I respect the hell out of them. And like you said, like I would say maybe there are like 25, 26 teams in the NFL. They're just like, hey man, like let's cash some checks and let's chill. Yeah. Like, you know, we make it to the, the Super Bowl every once in a while. Cool beans. Like we'll fly out to Arizona, Miami, whatever it is. But the Eagles are that team that's like, no, we want more. They are Adam Driver in episode eight. More, more more we're both houston astros fans they remind me so much of that they're like what is our our weakest link like let's let's attack that so much and so aggressively um and so like it's frustrating that you talk about the quarterback that dak prescott seemingly like owns the eagles and it's like man you you have the guy like (laughs) like you have the one thing that can own the team who's doing everything they can in their power to do this like why can't you match that energy why can't you match that level of intensity because imagine if you tried right like every every person who's been like a smart aleck in their life at some point, like a parent or a guardian or somebody's been like, I'm not saying this was you, Joey. You're a, a fine. Well, it was. Edu- I, I know where you're going, and it was 100% me. I was having this conversation with my wife yesterday. So, yes. So, Joey, if you just tried, man, if you just if you just did this, you could you get again. Joey's a, a highly educated man, Texas A&M University. Like nobody come for that. But like we, everyone's kind of been in, in that like sort of boat in some aspect in their life, right? Like where it's felt like there's so much untapped potential there. And I think that that turns into aggression when it comes to people attacking their front office. It's that time of year. Like, I don't know that I feel badly for Steven Jones, but I kind of do. Like, I I feel, I'm not going to sit here and like laud him or say like the Cowboys front office is one of the best in the NFL, but everyone's like, you see the same meme over and over again, the black and white face, whatever. And the like F them stuff, whatever, blah, blah, F them free agents. I mean, like, 
he's been I feel like we give him no credit I feel like he's in such a lose-lose situation and that's where maybe I'm just optimistic you mentioned you know you have kids now I have a, a one-year-old maybe I'm just soft like I don't yeah. know <laughs> like I, I I don't know what it is but like I mean he was right on J. Ron curse he, they were right to not pay Odell when they did they were wrong on Amari like I'm not going to sit here and say like they're they have this sterling reputation but we treat them as if they are these buffoons like that is and that's some just of like how the internet can be um but I don't know I mean it, like I, I do feel like we don't celebrate their victories enough. Yes, I, I generally agree with you that like, and part of that is because, you know, this team went to the the divisional round of the NFC playoffs. They won a playoff game on the road in a like extremely convincing fashion against the greatest quarterback of all time on the road in what is it? They handed him a really tough defeat in his last game as an NFL quarterback. Maybe jerseys, grass field, throw all those. Exactly. Stuff out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the only, every podcast network coming off of that, every website coming off of that was, was this Cowboy season a success? Because the standard, because of history, is if the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl, the Cowboys don't make the NFC championship game, the season's not successful. And so, and as a fan, you're like, yes, of course that's the standard because like, what else are you trying for? If you're not trying to win a Super Bowl, what else are you trying for? And the thing is, is that with these ownership groups and these front offices, it's not that binary. With the coaches and staffs and the players, it really sort of is. And you hear former players talk about, you hear Jesse Holly say like, the only standard for an NFL season is, did you win a Super Bowl or not? But in reality, the front offices can't operate that way. Otherwise, 31 NFL franchises fail and one succeeds. And so they have all these intermittent goals and all these other things that they're trying to achieve that don't really matter to us, but they matter a lot to them. And there's, you know, there's financial aspects of that. There's cash flow aspects of that. There's team building, roster construction aspects of all that. And it's really easy for us as fans. And I'm the guy who, you know, the salary cap's not real, you know, all that stuff. And there's enough data and the economics of it all work out that that's really and truly, it's true that you really can. And there's enough teams that do it. You can do whatever you want to do financially under the salary cap. But each team sets their own philosophy of how they want to manage the cap. And that's really where I think fans get sideways with Stephen Jones is that, and really the Jones family in general, they want to win the way they want to win. It seems like more than they just want to win. Whereas you watch the Eagles, you talk about the Eagles because they're the best example of this. They have a way that they want to win too, but that's because they have enough information and enough data that they've looked at and says, this is the best way to win, not the way that we like to win. And that, and so like they always have an offensive head coach. They all, you know, all these sorts of things that they do and they will turn over every single rock to to try to make their team better in any way they can. And then you hear Stephen Jones say, you know, personnel's a 360 pound acquisitions, a 365 day a year business. And then a lot of times they're on the yacht in the Caribbean on the first day of free agency. And you're like, is it really a, a 365 day a year business? If on the day when all this stuff really starts, you guys aren't even in the country. Now, some of that is perspective or perception because Will McClay's doing so much of it and all that. But it just uh, some of the sometimes I think, you know, Charlotte is extremely good at branding and public relations and all that stuff. And I think that's something that Stephen Jones could use a little bit of brand coaching from his sister in terms of 
of how he, how to present himself in a way that causes fans to believe that he's you know on the right track. Because I don't I don't always think he does a good job. Again, incredible sort of analysis and i agree completely um i think you know, like i don't want to give the eagles any more credit but like i think the thing that we don't give them enough credit for is their admission of failure on carson Wentz. like like we, we're so lost in all the like jalen hurt stuff and everything else and aj brown and hassan reddick and all these other things and all these other variables but like i i what was when was the last i guess maybe taco was was the cowboys like sort of waving the white flag that like we were wrong we messed up we fessed up but like they even took that was in his third season. Like they took a long time, much longer. Like they hung on to Tristan Hill. Like they hang on. They're such a sunk cost fallacy organization where the Eagles are like, we gave this dude a contract that sucks. But like, if we keep him here, we're not as good of a football team. So let's figure out a way to be the best possible football team. And everything else is not as important. Um, so I, I agree with you in that sense. I've never asked anybody this question. And I, well, it's partly true because I only thought of it right now. Um, but I want to ask you, um, you said you've been doing this for 11 years. So let's wind back to like, I don't know, let's say 2011, the beginning of the Garrett era. In that time, what would you say is your favorite Dallas Cowboys season? What would you say was the best Dallas Cowboys season? And you can define that however you want. And what would you say was the best team in that time? So your personal favorite, the best one that they fielded, and the most successful. And it's possible to have the same answer for multiple questions, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think my favorite season was probably the 2014 season, because that one really felt like it came out of nowhere. You know, because they just come off, you know, the three eight and eight seasons in a row. And it's like, you know, Jason Garrett's kind of coaching for his career, coaching for his job. And, you know, all of a sudden they put together this team. You know, they they add Zach Martin to the Travis Frederick and Tyron Smith interior or offensive line, you know, line of scrimmage really solidified offensively. And all of a sudden it all takes off. And that's also, you know, that was Pete. That was as good as we saw Tony Romo play in his entire career. It was a lot of like justification to your point. Yes, like, it, it, exactly. it was like con- it was like conviction of like I told you that like there were so many like I told you Romo was great. I told you Garrett was great. I told you Zach Martin was the pick over Johnny Menzel. Like it was such an I told you so sort of season. Absolutely, and it was so much fun to to cover that team and to to you know follow that team on a game to game basis, just because. You know, so much about it was so fun and the defense was bad. But, you know, Rolando McClain comes in and like he's the all of a sudden he goes from being this guy who can't stay on the field because of, you know, alcohol and whatever else there was, the substance stuff and suspensions and everything. Couldn't didn't really want to play. It comes in. Sean Lee gets hurt the first day of OTAs. Rolando McClain comes in and he's, you know, this like revelation at linebacker and they do just enough. Jeremy Mincy's their best pass rusher. And like it just a conglomeration of Island of Misfit toys. But that offense was just, it was still, you know, pretty much it was peak Des Bryant. It was peak Tony Romo. It was pretty close to the peak of that offensive line. And it was just so much fun to watch and be a part of, um, you know, even from a, from a distance, but that was probably my, my favorite season or the best, I think the best team they had was the 2016 team um, because, you know, we saw what the 49ers did this year with Brock Purdy um, in terms of like having a team that's capable of plugging a rookie quarterback in who exceeds all expectations in the quality of his play. And Dak was phenomenal as a rookie, um, but he, and that was the year that Landon and I were doing the blogging the boys podcast. So I remember that year so well, because Landon and I would come on and talk about how we didn't know if there had ever been a quarterback who had developed as much between 
his last year in college and his first year in the NFL and changed so much about his game in that period than what Dak Prescott did. And I don't think you could look at 2015 Dak Dak Prescott at Mississippi State and anybody who tries to tell you, oh, I knew at 2015 when I watched Dak Prescott play at Mississippi State that he would turn into the quarterback he is now. He's a completely different player. And that's a huge um, that's a huge statement to who he is. I got an alarm going off. Give me just a second. That's okay. Joey had an alarm going off on his phone. Um, so I'm going to buy him some time. I'm going to go ahead and say that 2014 was probably my personal favorite as well. I was buying you time, Joey, and saying that 20, 2014 feels it was it was intimate. Like it, it like 2014 felt like ours. You know what I mean? Like it, it was a really kind of personal season, um, which is why like that that one like the other playoff losses hurt, but like that one felt like it was stolen. Like that that was just such a dirty way to end it. Um, and you mentioned like talked about peaks or, or primes or whatever. That was probably the peak version of Terrence Williams in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can argue kind of the peak version of Cole Beasley. I mean, he was still a, a fine player, but like that was that was the, we didn't realize it then, but that was the end of the road for a lot of great things. Yeah, and they they were able to extend it a little bit, you know, and recapture a lot of that magic with some of those guys in 2016. Um, but the the peak for a lot of those guys was in 2014. And like like you said, the intimacy of it, and like you knew Tony was getting a little older. We didn't know that that was going to be the last time we really saw him play meaningful football, which is an insane thought to have. But we saw him like walking off the field at Lambeau, like, and just the emotion of that situation and the way that game ended with the, and there's a reason we still talk about Des caught it and all this stuff is because that one, that one really hurt like that. You look back at that team and go, and the, the way the league played out that year. And there's, if they get past green Bay in that game, they probably are going to the super bowl and there's a pretty good chance they win the super bowl that year. I've said for years, I think they lose. I think they beat Seattle, and that was like the big thing, right? Because they were like the only team who won in Seattle that yeah. year. But like, I think they probably lose to New England. I think, and I don't think it's as tight of a game as as it was for Seattle personally. But I mean, like, I'm if they had if they had lost the Super Bowl, they had lost Super Bowl forty nine. We would still be like sitting here, like cashing in on that. It, like, not yes, no absolutely. no pun We would be like, this is a great team. Like, y'all quit. Like, the droughts would have been over, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's the thing. Like, we'll, we'll pivot back to the conversation we were having about the front office. Is like, that's what. You know, you hear Jerry say, you know, we like, we like to think more long term. And then you hear some guys say, you know, I'd rather this team just be competitive every year, win 10, 11, 12 games every year. And if they win in the playoffs, they win in the playoffs. If not, who cares? And you think about like the Denver Broncos, right? Like they sort of go all in. They win the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning and they've sort of been, you know, middling up and down. Not very good since then. I would trade with them. From you know what they won the Super Bowl in what twenty? It was the next year. It was it was twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they've been they've done nothing since. They've literally not made the playoffs once. Yeah, the Cowboys have very clearly been a better franchise. I would trade all of these years since then for the that Super Bowl in twenty fourteen. The way that the the Broncos took the twenty fifteen Super Bowl and like the Rams, they went to the Super Bowl twice in five years. They won last year. Who knows what's coming in the future because of the age of the quarterback and all that kind of stuff. But if they never contend again with Sean McVay and Matt Stafford and that group, and they fall off the way everybody predicts that they will, who cares? They went on one of the best five-year runs in the history of the NFL. They won the, they went to the Super Bowl with two different quarterbacks in a three-year period. They won the Super Bowl. Like who cares if they're not good for three or four years? They'll be good. If the Eagles went to two Super Bowls in five or six years with two different quarterbacks, two different head coaches, it does not take long 
to go through a cycle in this league. Five years, I say it all the time on Twitter, five years is football eternity. And I, I would trade – I would trade by the next five years not being very good for them to go to the Super Bowl one time for sure. Even like a, I, I don't mean to like make us pathetic, but like even like an NFC title game, like I think about the 2017 Vikings that lost to the Eagles in obviously in the title game, mm-hmm. but like I, I would imagine that like even here, we're sitting here, it's going to be six years later that like Vikings fans are like, that was a pretty good day. Like the Minnesota Miracle and Stefan Diggs, like that was all like a lot of fun. I mean, and like to your point, like there has been fun, like we'll call it since 2015, like the 2016 year that obviously was amazing. Twenty, The more I think about it, tw- nothing about 2017 was fun. 2017 yeah. was annoying and painful and frustrating and just very, very, very difficult. Uh, that was the Zeke suspension. That was the uh, Adrian Claiborne game. I remember vividly uh, when they lost to the Chargers on Thanksgiving. They, it was the first time in franchise history they scored single-digit points in three straight games. It was the play or the the Week 17 loss to the Eagles that they or they beat them uh, six to nothing, but then the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Like 2017 sucked, except for the Houston yeah. Astros, obviously winning the World yes. Series. Um, but so okay, so we've defined 2014 as kind of the most precious like favorite season since 2012, 2011, whatever. Um, I agree with you. 2016 was probably their best chance like and and you had a you had the divisional round at home like that i mean like that in and of itself sort of like makes that the answer for that what would you say is the most successful season then because like they they haven't made it past that point in any other but like your your nominees i guess since 2011 if they're not going to be the same are 2018 which was sparked by the amari cooper trade or Mm -hmm. this most recent season um because i think this this past season is better than 2021 just in this yeah yeah, they want to play yeah i i think you have to go with this year like they you think went so. The you think this is the won- most successful season for the Dallas Cowboys since Jason Garrett was hired? I don't know that I disagree. I'm just confirming. I, I really think so. I mean, they tied the franchise record for game for game for wins in a season, and they like they very clearly did virtually no game planning for Washington the last week of the season. They went they went in with like day one install, like these are the practice, these are the plays we put on the field on day one of training camp against Washington, and. They didn't care to win that game, even if the starters played. Like they were, they left the starters in thinking we got enough talent. If we win the game, great. If we don't, that it doesn't really matter. And so they won 12 out of 16 games that they really cared about. They did it without their starting quarterback for five games. They, you know, they were within a game or so of being the number one seed in the in the NFC, and the only team that was ahead of them was the team that went to the Super Bowl um, that they beat once that what, you know, they never played them starting quarterback to starting quarterback, but they put up, you know, 40 points on them in the the last part of the season against their really good defense. And, and then they won a playoff game on the road for the first time in pretty, pretty close to our lifetimes, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and they did it against Tom Brady. um, And then they went on the road against a really good team and played really tight and really tough with that really good team and just couldn't get it done on the road. And that kind of stuff happens in the NFC or in the NFL. And it's really hard to look at, you know, you can't say 2018 was more successful because, you know, they won the, they won the playoff game at home, but you know, they did not, the game against LA, I think was worse than the game against uh, the game against San Francisco, just right, because right. nothing about the game in LA really felt like the Cowboys really had any chance to win that game. Um, when, you know, they were very close. They were one touchdown away. You know, they were they were driving down the field at the end of the half um, to score a touchdown, and a ball got picked and intercepted towards the end of the half that turned, you know, basically wound up, you could say, turning that game around. And so I think I, I, just, think that, I, I just think that's that's got to be the year. There's really 
it's funny as we, we talk about how they've been way better since 2015 than the Broncos. There's also not that many like super high end years to say this is no question the most successful season. I think I agree with you. And I think I know we started in 2011, but even if we go all the way back to the final Super Bowl season in 1995, like it's hard to pick a year. Like there's no, there's no year post 95 pre Romo that is in the mix for like yeah, most no, successful no, season. No. So like the only other years that we're not like sort of counting are, are 06, which was this like kind of like figuring out your kind of good year. 07, yeah. which that might be the best team they've had. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, so. but I don't know that it was the most successful season. And 2008 was like a really, that was a squandered opportunity um in 2009 like whatever they beat the eagles back to back like I, it's i still don't like that that doesn't sit like in like my mightiest memories um but this year like to your point this year like and i don't i never like came up with like a term but they were the like the like uh, like curse destroyers or whatever like what was rod marinelli's thing um the mighty orphans is that what it was the mighty orphans yeah something like that yeah right, right. I, I can't remember exactly what, yes but yeah, there was something like like I mean, like they went four and one without Dak. What? <laughs> like yeah. your franchise quarterback went down and you, you won 80% of your games. That's impossible. Yep. Like we, we talked about like when nuts and bolts was, was it 2015 when nuts and bolts came 2015, out? Like, yep. That was like, it was, it was literally impossible. They literally won one of 12 games without Tony Romo. And, and it took like this Herculean effort on Monday night football in Washington mm -hmm. to do that. I mean, obviously 2010 was a disaster. 2020, you know, wasn't quite a disaster, but it was obviously very ugly. And some of that was like the ramifications of the world, but like, okay, you went four and one without Dak to your point. Like you, you won in the red stripe. You won in the throwback jerseys on Thanksgiving. You beat the Eagles at home. Like you, you won a playoff game on the road in the Navy jerseys on the grass field. You beat Tom Brady for the first time ever. Um, you had back-to-back -back seasons with playoffs. You had back-to-back -back seasons with 12 plus wins or whatever. Like, so like, I do think like, relative to expectations somewhat it was it was maybe their most successful season and to the point we've kind of made all along like it sort of came out of nowhere like they sort of didn't think it would happen i mean dude they took a, a tackle in the first round that we all hated that we thought was like the worst possible pick <laughs> they, they got literally nothing from their third round pick i mean yeah. like that like i i that's where i'm saying like i get the like the the inclination to be like this team sucks this team's terrible typical cowboys blah blah but it's like dude they just crawled through sludge like yeah. they are andy dufresne on the other side of this tunnel like we should we should be somewhat excited like they're a free man in so many senses right and it's like you know you talk about it like they picked a first round tackle we didn't really like he, he wound up playing really well the second round guy was like defensive end five or something like that and was still productive the third round pick played, you know, 30 snaps on the season or something like that. Uh, and then you get through there, they get a, the, the, all they get is a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper that they used to pick John Ridgway, who they then release and put on waivers and gets claimed to Washington. So they literally get nothing in exchange for, uh, for Amari Cooper. And the head coach is apparently bad. The offensive coordinator is bad. You know, nothing on the offense is good. The quarterback, thinks, the quarterback well, sucks. Yeah. And yet somehow they have a top five offense in the league per play in almost every metric whenever you uh, – when Dak's on the field. And so something's got to be good in that scenario, right? And so it's like somebody's got to be good, and the most important guy in the scenario is the quarterback, and he's the guy who sort of carries throughout all these changes when they've been good the whole time through all these changes. Um, so that sort of goes back to our conversation earlier about how hard we are on these organizations is that we, we talk about how many mistakes this team seems to make, and yet they won 12 games, two games in a row. They won a playoff game this year. Like, they got to be doing something right. Um, and so you may as well just enjoy the ride, right?
and that's that's like this was sort of the spirit of of my episode last week was like it it was actually almost that exact line like something has to be good like it's because people be like mccarthy sucks doesn't understand time management block kellen sucks curls all the time runs on first down Dak sucks throw like who is good then like who who is the person that that is responsible for this top five offense and like and zeke sucks pollard blah blah blah, like can't stay healthy like there has to be something like it it, it cannot like and that's not like a, a take that's just like math like yeah. there has to be something <laughs> that is propelling them forward and so yes. uh and it has to be offensively like you cannot tell me this is dan quinn or micah parsons like there is something to their offense and so i mean that's where i'm at like i'm at this point you know where they have what the third best quarterback in the conference like that was something i talked about last week too like if you want to say jalen hurts is number one fine i'm not going to like sit here and argue with you you could argue that Dak is too like i think the three best quarterbacks in the nfc Pending trades and whatever are Dak Prescott in any order. Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and Kirk Cousins. Like so, okay, fine. Like, it, like on the worst day, you have the third best quarterback in the conference. You have the second best defensive player in the conference. You have a top five to seven wide receiver. You have a head coach who is in favor of aggression and who's going to be calling all of your offensive plays. You have perhaps the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. I mean, like, so. I understand we're pissed and it's a drought and it's frustrating and all this stuff, but it's like the, the skies are pretty sunny. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, it's, it's not doom and gloom and raining. Yeah. When you zoom back out from it, it's a lot easier to see the good stuff than when you, a lot of times it feels like we sort of take the good stuff for granted because we're trying to look for the next marginal step forward that they can take. And so it's like, yeah, you know, they have a good quarterback and a good head coach and a good, this and a good, that and a good, that, but they don't have this, and that thing is the reason why they can't go to the next level. And maybe that might be true, but to get to that, you have to stop appreciating the fact that, in my mind, he's the best quarterback in the conference. Um, I'm, I'm, and, I'm not like know, in disagreement. Like, at that point. Yeah, but, yeah. It's, it's a conversation. That's all I'm saying. But exactly. I'm, I'm with you. Exactly. You have, regardless, you have one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the conference, regardless of what order you put them in. You, you just ran through all of it. You have all of that. You win 12 games two years in a row. In a year, you're supposed to see all this defensive regression. It doesn't happen. Now you got to maybe think about the fact that maybe it's coming for you in a in a doubly mean way coming forward in the next year or two. But um, but you overcome all of those things that we've talked about in the last 35 minutes, and yet the the overall dynamic of the fan base is still this team sucks. They'll never win anything. And and maybe that's true because maybe the ownership and the the structure, because it's owned by the people who are making the primary personnel decisions in terms of roster management, um, because of that dynamic, prevents the sense of urgency that some of these other guys have um, in order to try to save their job. Stephen Jones is never losing his job as long as he lives. And so he has the opportunity to make decisions based on a timeline that doesn't make sense to anybody else. And maybe that does keep them from winning a, winning a bunch more Super Bowls. Maybe it keeps them from ever winning another Super Bowl as long as he's running things. But, um, but it's still a really good team right now. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Like, this was year seven for Dak Prescott. We're going into year eight. He's got two years left on his contract. Who knows if he wants to re-sign here based on, you know, the way the last contract went. You know, you hear murmurs from people and stuff like that, that he's not necessarily thrilled with the lack of urgency. We've heard more players, it feels like, sort of come out over the last few weeks and sort of say, like, man, we got to do something. Like, our team, we got to move, go here. Like, 
So maybe there's that dynamic starting to build and that'll build some urgency. But like, we're not that far from, I mean, Tony Romo started what, eight, 10 years? Eight, eight years. Know. Yeah, eight, eight years. And then he was going to start in 2015, got hurt, was going to start in 2016. That would have been what, year 11. And he never started that year. So, so like, I was I was thinking about that while you, uh, I was like counting while you were talking. I was listening, but I was counting. Uh, if you count the 06 season, is, and I know some people don't like whatever, but like yeah. the 06 season counts for me. Yeah. 2012 was his seventh season. And so like, yeah. like I, I think about this tweet all the time. Um, uh, fellow Aggie Cassidy McWash, great member of Cowboys Twitter. She tweeted out the night Andrew Luck retired. Um, that was like still relatively like fresh off of Romo's retirement and everything. Um, and she tweeted, it was something like, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, make sure to hug your franchise quarterbacks tight. Like you, like you truly never know when the end is coming. And you talked about it. Like 2014 was like the last real Romo year. Like after Romo's seventh season, there were only two more. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have no, and like, I know people like hate Dak or whatever. So like, they're probably like, good, only two more, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Like, I mean, it, it, it may not be Dak. Like maybe it, you know, we've seen a lot of players like you talk when Des caught it, he had like two good seasons left for the Cowboys. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, it was evaporate. like one and a half. Cause he yeah. wound up hurt so much. Yeah. It, it can evaporate so quickly. And, and like, and that's what, that's part of what makes it hard. Right. Like that's why, like, it's hard to imagine the Eagles are getting back. Right. Like, cause it's, it's so difficult. You have to rebuild over and over and over and over again. But um, I think that they've shown enough to, to trust them in this era, in the Mike McCarthy era. I know people hate him and think he's whatever, but like the, the data speaks for itself. Like the success speaks for itself. Like I, I will wrap with this. I trust Mike McCarthy more than I have any non Bill Parcells coach in the post Super Bowl era. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's the right approach to take. And that I love that hug your franchise quarterback because yes, like the Cowboys went from Romo to Dak and the Colts went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. But like, look at everything the Colts have been through since then. And look at everything that the Cowboys went through between Romo and Aikman. And look at what the Broncos have been through since Peyton Manning. And what they went through between Elway and Manning. And there is a desert on the other side of this franchise quarterback that the Cowboys have. That is, if you think the last 30 years of no Super Bowl looks bad or feels bad, wait until you get to the quarterback desert again and what that desert feels like. So just even, appreciate, appreciate even the, like, yeah. Even the like lack of a star wide receiver desert sucks. Like like before mm -hmm. CD had kind of taken over, it was like, dude, this sucks. Like 2018 pre Amari sucked. Like it, like yes. it is it is a terrible. And like you mentioned, um, why they lost. Like I remember after that 2014 loss, obviously the Descada game. Like all we sat and as I as a as a younger RJ got into the world of blogging and podcasting, it was like, man, if they had just had a pass rush against Aaron Rodgers with the calf interest, like, man, like Sam Williams was their fifth defensive end. Joey told me, you know what I mean? Like yeah. now, like you can have that. You know what I'm saying? Like you can go get mm -hmm. the one thing that you think you need, and it's still not enough. Like sometimes it mean the game is just mean. Like so, so, sometimes it yeah. doesn't work out, and like that's frustrating and that sucks. But that doesn't mean that they're trash. They do certainly have room for improvement. Um, I think we both agree there. Um, we're talking on the day that ESPN connected uh, the top 50 free agents to their ideal fits, and they have Odell Beckham Jr. connected to the Dallas Cowboys. Do you want to see that? As somebody who wants – you're doing the draft show, but as somebody who wants to see the Cowboys draft Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, I'm kind of against that because that would probably mean no JSN. But I'm a fan of not pigeonholing yourself when it comes to the draft. And so if you want to sign Odell and not have to take a receiver in the first round, sign me up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Team JSN also. I think he's phenomenal. I think him, the fit with him and CD would be great. But the OBJ thing is interesting to me. They have to do something at wide receiver, right? And it has to be 
material. The hard thing is that they have Michael Gallup locked into this, you know, really substantial contract that based on what we saw last year, we know the injury situation there. It's hard to imagine him being more than like a really high end wide receiver three, like a really, really high end wide receiver three, which means you have to peg this wide receiver two spot, which means you can't pay too much for wide receiver two because you're already paying wide receiver three a lot of money. But you also have to get a really high end wide receiver, two because that's how you have to play in the league right now. You have to play with two really high end pass catchers. And. So it's just a really hard thread that they have to the needle that they have to thread here at this wide receiver spot. But I'll bring up the Eagles for the last time. It, it's a hard thread. To how are we going to get rid of Carson Wentz and transition to Jalen Hurts? Yep. You got to find a way. Like that's exactly. that's literally your exactly. job. Like yeah. <laughs> so, um, you you have to find a way. Whether it's Odell, whether it's JSN, whether it's whatever, you have to find a way. Um, you know, I, I but I'm I'm going to choose to live on on the sunnier side of things and say that they do. You know what I mean? Like we look, we both had our fair share of insults that we've hurled at the team on the platform that is twitter.com um joey has done it much longer than i have once again one of the ogs around here on twitter at joey ikes you can hear him every wednesday on talking the draft on the blog on the boys podcast network joey closing thoughts and then we'll get out of here yeah i mean it's fun it's great to be you know back as part of the blog and the boys platform it's awesome to get the chance to do this with you um and uh i'm just excited for uh for this journey we're taking for the next couple months Mm, okay dave keeps hounding me to get joey to ride again so just when i press you again just know that's coming from dave hopper <laughs> not from me uh thanks a lot joey thanks everybody for watching we'll see y'all next time want to give a big time shout out big time thank you to joey ikes for taking the time to join us he is on twitter at joey ikes and you heard him yesterday uh on the latest episode of talk on the draft with connor livesy i actually haven't listened to that episode yet in real time because like i said at the top of the episode it is about 10 31 central standard time it's funny how in the world of podcasting you can time travel just like that it's only been a minute for me in real time but you listen to an entire 30 minute uh interview joey's the best and it is so cool to have him now a part obviously of the btb family once again uh we love everybody here at btb we love what we do um i've been thinking about this a lot and i, I don't i don't mean to be a troll about it um but I, you know just it's a really fun off season right kind of figuring out how the cowboys can be better what's going to happen odell beckham jr like all these sorts of things and i was thinking like none of that would be fun if the eagles had won the super bowl and so i i promise i'm not going to bring that up a million times but that's true right like it, it would have cast this shadow over the off season and i love football and i love the cowboys and so i'm grateful that um we're sort of in in our own emotions um i don't say allowed to love it again but you know it, it isn't painful to love it the way um it would have been but uh anyway so um we'll see what happens obviously like i said i'm going to be traveling but um nothing is slowing down nothing is stopping just so you're aware we have lots of articles some that i wrote myself obviously ahead of time at blogontheboys.com dropping later on this week one uh, based on the idea that joey and i talked about the um you know and i'd love to hear your responses to your favorite team favorite Dallas Cowboys team since 2011 the team you feel like was the best the best roster and of course the team you feel like was the most successful you heard our answers but uh, I'm curious maybe you feel the 2018 team was really good or maybe you feel 2014 was the best I don't know I'm very interested to hear your answers like I said I'll be writing about that also our YouTube channel is moving and grooving we have a video dropping let's see here um, we have the mixtape that came out on Wednesday and we have the interview with Joey that you can watch if you'd like that drops on Thursday uh, we'll have a video talking about free agency, which 
players the Cowboys should or should not be keeping um, coming on Monday. I'm going to shoot that ahead of time if it isn't obvious. Um, you know, got to be smart, got to play in. Um, and something that you all really liked, which was really cool on Friday, uh, we will drop episode two of our Madden franchise, connected franchise, whatever you want to call it, series. In case you're unaware, uh, we started a Madden franchise as the Cowboys, and we're going to be going through it week by week, playing a game, kind of adjusting things, and trying to keep things pretty realistic, I would say, as it relates to the Cowboys, but obviously having some fun within the game of Madden. So uh, we beat the Bucks in week one. So up next, the Cincinnati Bengals. That episode will drop on Friday. And um, a lot of you told me, because I in the roster. I could not find Cavante Turpin, which I thought was really frustrating, especially because he told Tony and Aiden here on the podcast network that he wants to be used more on offense, and then I couldn't find him at all. A lot of you told me that you have Cavante Turpin on your roster in your game, so um, first thing I'm going to do in the video this week is try to go find Cavante Turpin and put him on the roster, but uh, you can check out the video if you want to see that. For now, I bid you adieu. Um, Combine's coming, free agency's coming, and we're not going anywhere. Make sure to subscribe, please, to the Blog and the Boys podcast network, wherever get your podcast leave a rating writer review subscribe to our youtube channel check out righteousfelon.com use discount code b15 uh, excuse me btb15 at checkout to get 15 percent off of your order my name is rj ochoa you can follow me on twitter or instagram at rj ochoa on tiktok at rj.ochoa if you want to send me an email you can rj.ochoa at sbnation.com i hope you all have a wonderful weekend i hope you have the greatest weekend of all time you know why because you deserve it we will see you manana my friends As always, go Cowboys and peace out.